0: you get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. And now, to my guest. Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin', and we're getting into ice cream. Actually, check that. We're getting into gelato today because for all the great ice cream spots that Omaha has, there really aren't that many options for gelato, but that changed early this past summer, and when I kept seeing a bunch of Instagram posts for this new place called Senti, it was kind of hard to figure out first. it was operating out of the downtown location of Hardy Coffee, and at the time, it was only available for online ordering. It almost felt like some kind of, like, secret society that you had to, like, you know, once you knew, you knew. But one, and once I got my hands on this gelato, like it immediately vaulted into my upper echelon of Omaha ice cream slash frozen treat destinations. And given the massive growth that Senti's seen in just a few months, I don't think I'm the only one who thinks that. So my guest today is the mastermind behind this rising comet, Eric Landa. Eric, welcome to the show. Hey, it's good to be here. Good to be here. I'm gonna start this conversation off with the obvious question, one that you've probably answered thousands of times before, but I think it's I'm important to start with. Uh, Do you know the? Que- I mean, no, just, no,
1: I'm like, I'm just thinking in my head, see what uh, what the common question, like, what's your favorite flavor? I don't know, but uh, what's the difference between <laughs> ice cream and gelato? Oh man, that one's a that's a loaded question. Um, so I want to say there's three major, um, I guess like. Essentials that would you know create the differences between them and I I want to say like so for starters We'll talk about like the main one which is a overrun Which is basically when you whip air into ice cream. It's one of the cheapest ingredients you can add in the ice cream um It's basically a lot lower than your standard kind of like ice cream Uh, I I wish I had the percentages on me to be completely honest, but um, I want to say it sits at like a 15% a little bit more Denser you get a lot more um of the product, you know, you get a lot more flavor um, that's where that kind of punch of um comes from and then so when you go into like ice cream it's a lot more airier, and it's actually ice cream is regulated by the fda so they have regulations on it that you can only go up to 100 percent um air so you can literally have um the same amount of air as you have actual product in it <laughs> um and so they regulate it to that point and um and one cool thing i like to you know uh, say to that note, is that when you go to like, um, you go to the grocery store, and you see uh, a product or a line, you know, it says, "Oh my," you know, this is like a vanilla, and then there's like a low fat vanilla of that same brand. A lot of the times, we'll just pump air into it, and so you will get less of it. So essentially, it would be low fat. Interesting, right? It would be low fat, and it's a lot. Just it's easier to produce that way. Um, so it's kind of one of those kind of I gotcha, you know what I mean, moments. Um, but. Yeah, that's that's the way they like to talk about, like, the overrun. And so, like, you know, when you do gelato, you, you have to get, like, a gelato-specific machine because it has to have a little bit more power in order to get that blade to spin, but it spins slower. So because it does spin slower, it doesn't have that much, you know, um, I don't I don't know what this, the technical term it's for not it incorporating is. incorporating as much air. Right? Yeah, yeah. So it's not incorporating as much air, but, like, that slow movement um, needs to have more power behind it in order to keep it moving, uh, whereas, you know, like, a faster blade is just going to keep, you know, rotating fast it temperature and butter fat are those oh yeah so yeah yeah. so butter fat that's the second one that I want to talk about um the fat content into it is a lot less so it's um the one that I like to explain this one is a little bit more metaphorically with like if you put a stick of butter and a popsicle in a freezer right it's kind of random right but bear with me come on um you take a lick of that that butter and it's not You know, it's not as cold as you would see when you lick a popsicle, yet they're the same temperature. So when you think of butterfat, butterfat really kind of like coats your tongue. It's less cold in a sense. Um, So when you go and have an ice cream, you know, you're going anywhere between, I want to say 10% to about, you know, it goes, you can go upwards, like really pretty far with it. Um, And so the higher that you go with it, the more that'll coat the tongue and the more of the flavors will kind of like um, hold onto um, your uh, tongue. And then when you have like a gelato, it's a lot more like hard hitting, quick, um, but a lot of flavor, good punch. You know, you don't have that um fat that really, you know, um is separating you from all the flavors that come at you. And so gelato kind of sits anywhere between four to eight percent um butter fat and butter fat, yeah, butter fat. Milk fat, fat. Uh and then so you have, you know, right. So that's kind of like where the differences are um in butter fat. Uh, and I'm trying to think, oh, and so when you, like, serve it as well, it's a little bit different um, when, you know, traditionally you serve, like, ice cream, you get, like, your scoops, you know, you get, like, little kind of, I call them, like, little claws, right? So you claw into the ice cream and scoop it out. When it comes to, you know, kind of serving gelato, it's, um, it's more of, like, a, a served at a more warm temperature, but it's also served at you with a spade. So it's a, it's a completely different kind of like, you know, scoopability thing. And you see a lot of like traditional waves and things and artistic waves. So if you ever see like a picture of um, of some gelato being made, you'll sometimes see like little hills and valleys of waves. It'll show you that's kind of like authentic and that's kind of like art style that they go for with
0: those kinds of things. I love that you brought up the butterfat content. And obviously, fat being a part of ice cream, like that's awesome. We're not trying to disparage that. Like, right, right, right. Fat, fat is good. Fat is flavor. But you <laughs> mentioned it does, it coats the tongue and like when you have gelato you're able to experience those intense flavors just they they punch you Mm. and I think that was my first experience with Senti I still remember the taro was the first one that I tried and it was just like bam yeah that like you just you feel it right away same with the vanilla like it's not a traditional vanilla but it's that bourbon vanilla that is just hitting you With that just nice, sweet, delicate flavor. I mean, and it just goes across the board with all your flavors, with the chocolate, with the peppermint. I mean, it's just that that flavor is so intense. What was it that attracted you to gelato over just a traditional ice cream? So
1: I I did a lot of ice cream uh, practicing, uh, you know, kind of just over the couple of years, and you know, I did a lot of research and stuff. And so I wanted to kind of bring something new to Omaha. Like, you know, I, we have, you know, some pretty good ice cream shops, you know, all around. We got some soft-serve ice cream shops as well. Um, and so I was like, you know, what is something different that I can bring? You know, and I had, a, like, <clears throat> a lot of, like, oh, yeah, maybe I should try to do sorbets or maybe do popsicles, you know, kind of thing. And uh, for whatever reason, you know, it was something that, connected me to trying something different, you know, and bringing in like, you know, gelato. And so gelato is something I did, you know, a little research more like, oh, okay. And that's where I, you know, learn about, oh, it has less butter fat. It's more dense, you know, has a lot of flavor. It gets, pun- you know, all this punches and like, it, it just seemed really like kind of one of those things I think uh, Omaha would be really interested in. And so that's, that's what really got me into doing gelato.
0: Now for anyone who's listening to this right now, it's just like, Okay, I'm I'm sold. I have to try this ASAP. Just got to hit you with the quick details. Senti is located inside the downtown location of Hardy Coffee, which is just off Eleventh and Jones Street. Uh, it's open two to eight p.m. Wednesday through Sunday, and you can also order pints and cookie sandwiches at sentigelato.com. One of the things that I think is most unique about Senti and really draws me to it is just the flavors. Yeah. The, the, the flavors that you offer are so different than you'll find at the traditional ice cream shop. I mean, to name just a few of them, Taro, PB&J, you've done a Coconut Lime, you've done a Mexican Chocolate, uh, Orange Julius, Like, and, <laughs> and these, these flavors are constantly rotating. They won't all be available all at the same time, but even your vanilla, like I just mentioned, it's not the standard vanilla. It's a bourbon vanilla, which doesn't have the booze, which a mistake that I made when I first <laughs> no. tried. It, but it's actually a uh, it's from Madagascar. It's just a different type of vanilla. Yeah. How do you come up with these flavors? So,
1: um, I graduated from culinary school doing a lot of like different desserts and a lot of my inspiration actually comes from there when i was kind of assigned to do a dessert like it was like two or three desserts i believe a week and it was just kind of one of those things you just got to you just got to combine as many flavors as possible you got to make sure you know it tastes good and so it was um kind of that uh you know that d- draws me back to you know what i did back then you know i did there's some a couple of things that i still have yet to uh release so like some mango um like a nada thing it seems like really interesting interesting to try and do with like a sorbet like those just things just kind of speak to me you know things that I've already done and tried and I've tried and true you know um uh so those those are kind of what I like to do um you know small like strawberry and basil works really well you have some white chocolate white chocolate and strawberry work really well so combine all three of those together you know you got your strawberry white chocolate basil um and so that's just like kind of an idea so it's all like I'll sit there and I'll um I'll try and, you know, put two and two together and I'll do some research, you know, I'll look online to see, um, what people are doing with these kinds of flavors. And I start to see like, Oh yeah, maybe this goes well with this. And Oh, maybe I'll switch the basil and I'll switch, I'll do some time, you know, just kind of make it unique. Um, and so every, every flavor has a lot of like kind of me and my experience into it. Um, and all the desserts that I've ever done, like the, for example, like you mentioned the orange Julius, um, orange Julius was something that my mother uh, used to take me to, um, across from where she works, she used to work at the mall and she would uh, always grab an orange juice. I was never a big fan, but it was something, one of her favorites. And so the reason that I ended up, um, you know, kind of figuring that out is because I wanted to make it for her one day. Um, and so, you know, later on in that, I want to say maybe, maybe five, 10 years later, I ended up finding out, you know, kind of like the components of the vanilla and the, and the orange. And so I, um, you know, I sat down and I wrote a couple of notes and I just, you know, kind of called back on that. And, um, that's where I ended up getting the orange Julius and I, you know, kind of released it for her birthday. And it was kind of one of those like kind of tributes. And like I said, a lot of past experiences that, uh, really bring out all the weird different flavors that I have going on.
0: Like how much easier is it to get inspired by a flavor and like really get into the R and D process when it has a personal connection like that?
1: Um, it it's kind of one of those things where I don't want to mess it up. It's a lot more. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. It's it's like I don't want to. I don't want to mess up. I, I guess like there's other words that I could probably use, but I just I want to make sure that I am conveying the emotions and. Um, you know, the experience of what that person has experienced or, you know, what, you know, how they feel about that flavor and kind of really put it into uh, the mindset. Like I'll I'll play with, you know, how cold or, you know, between the four and the 8%, like I said, um, how Cold, I want it to taste, you know, all the way down to, um, how much intensity of the flavor is it going to be in there? Like how authentic, how authentic it's going to be? Like, am I going to be using frozen strawberries? Am I going to be using, um, you know, fresh strawberries grown from, um, the garden? Am I going to, you know, just like, what is it that, uh, really makes that flavor the flavor for them? And that's how I kind of
0: like, and I got to make sure that it's, it's that, you know, you want to preserve the memory and represent that person well. Right. So I I want you to take me a little bit deeper into that R&D process, and I want to go with a flavor that it just... It sounds so confusing on the surface, mm. and a lot of your flavors are like this. Like, you read the name, and you're just like, whoa, yeah. do those things go together? But then you taste it, and you're just like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I never would have thought to eat this together, but it just works. Mm. And that's the cherry jalapeno. That's the <laughs> one that you had this summer, and... I was excited for it because I'm mm. someone who just loves spicy. So I'm thinking like spicy with sweet ice cream, with tart cherry, like all it sounded confusing in my brain, but I was like, I trust Eric. He's going to pull this off. And yes. you did. So just kind of take me through that process from coming up with that flavor and deciding I'm going to experiment. I'm going to do this to the time where you started selling it. Like what was that process like? Um so this one's actually pretty simple as much as
1: it sounds kind of difficult. Um I was actually at the farmers market so this is one of those things where I like to be kind of organic with my ingredients and kind of go around and see what you know what's here locally. Um I actually came across a couple of different jams and kind of uh, flavors that I was like, "Oh, this might be kind of good." And now I came across like some honeys, some honey lavender, some ginger, um ginger honey and just Um, just kind of like all over the place. And I ended up seeing uh, the cherry jalapeno. jalapeno. And I was like, uh, I wanted to do a cherry flavor. I was like, I wonder if jalapeno is going to be too much. And it was such a risky call because... Um, this is something so I've messed up a couple of times, like really bad. And so I, one of the mess, huge mess ups was that I actually tried to make a jalapeno ice cream and it was the most horrible tasting <laughs> thing I had ever made. Uh, but it was one of those things like, man, I got to try it. You know, you, like you see somebody make something and they were like, oh my God, this is a jalapeno. I'm like, oh, that might be really good because, um, jalapeno uh that had capsaicin and it obviously gets neutralized by the milk and so you're you're thinking maybe i'll actually get the flavors and see what the jalapeno actually tastes like it tastes like grass
0: it <laughs> very is very vegetal <laughs> very
1: it's not a very good yeah it's not a very good flavor and i don't think that i would ever like Oh my, can i add enough sweetness like it's not something that i would like you want to experiment to take it any further like do i want to make this sweet at all um, but it's... Yeah, so it was a, it was not a very good flavor. Um, and so it was a very risky call to try and say, you know, maybe I'll do something with a cherry jalapeno. Like, maybe that'll make a little bit of a difference. Um, and so when I did decide to pull a jam uh, off the old market, um, I was kind of experimenting I you know I take I take bits and pieces of you know that jam and put it on a spoon and start combining it with different flavors add a little bit of milk to the spoon so it's kind of like one of those one biters um, you know and I, I kind of jot down mental notes I'm like okay this needs a little bit more of this, this needs to be and so I like some then I started playing with the temperature like you know I put it in the freezer for a bit you know okay this is what it tastes like' it's what it's most likely gonna taste like frozen um, add a little bit of salt this is what it tastes like you know does this really heighten the flavor does it you know muddle it um, I'll that you know I'll just much around, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll add a little bit of honey to it. You know, see, maybe this will taste a little bit better. Um, and so that's just really what kind of experimenting that I go through. And so when I did make that, um, instead of mixing it actually in, so there's like different ways to process it too. Um, you can actually cook it, right, and you can fold it in after it's cooked, or you can actually throw it in when the base is being churned. So there's like a multitude of ways to actually incorporate it into an ice cream. So the best way that I thought about it is, you know, I don't want to. Uh, you don't ever want to cook cherries. That's also another thing that I ended up finding out that ended up horrible. Uh, cooking cherries makes it brown, and so nobody wants to eat a brown ice cream. Well, I mean, there's, other there's, than chocolate, yeah, yeah, other than chocolates, but this is like a dirty brown. It's like something like, oh my god, this is, this looks like it came from uh, places unknown. Um, so. It's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, I was actually playing like a really risky game. Cherry does not get cooked. And so um, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't cook it. I incorporated it right when, you know, uh, I was going to extract it all. Um, and I believe I added a little bit of almond to it, but I can't really remember because almond and cherry works really well together. And so I had a little bit of almonds in um, in house. And so uh, it was one of those things where I infused the milk with almond and I added that cherry jam and folded it into it and, you know, kind of just basically made a new a new gelato there so
0: oh it worked that it was delicious and i'd love to see it come back at some point uh what flavor are you most proud of oh man
1: that's that's really i'm proud of all my flavors they're all my children really um
0: okay well how about this either <laughs> either a personal favorite okay. or one that like you had to work really hard on and it was difficult to get from ideation to the final line but when you got there you were just like Heck yeah. Okay. I'm proud
1: of this. Let's go. That's going to be two different answers then. So one that I'm really proud of is the taro. Like taro was one of those things where it was like something completely new to me. Um, I've had like I'd barely had any. I'd never had any boba with taro in it. So I had you know that's kind of where the main flavor comes from. Um, and so I like spent weeks like kind of just trying it like okay this is what it tastes like and when it gets warm okay this is what it tastes like when it gets warm you know so kind of so kind of like i got how do i mimic mimic this flavor um and so i did research on it you know it's a root vegetable um i get mine from taiwan um and so it's like you know looking at the properties of it um it's actually toxic so it's a toxic vegetable if you eat it raw um, so it has to go through a bunch of different processes. So now I have to find like a purveyor that is able to work through those processes. Cause I'm not going to take that risk. You know, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not get anybody sick or killed or whatever. So it's like, um, so then I ended up finding, so I, I got like four different suppliers of tarot. And so now I'm kind of like mixing it with different things, right? So I'm mixing it with water, mixing it with milk, uh, which one tastes better, which one's be- more bitter. Can I add more sugar to this? Will this make it taste better? Um, and so when I finally came down, to um, what I had experienced, you know, having boba. And I'm like, I think this is the, this is the move right here. Like it's got that purple, you know, color. um, And it's not like, it's not like overly purple, right? It's not like you see something in the ultraviolet uh, regions, but it's got that, you know, kind of nice calm taste to it. It's, it's very, you just wouldn't expect it to be a vegetable. And so I think that's what I like most about it is that, you know, people aren't expecting this flavor and they really enjoy it and they come back. And I've had I've had somebody come in on Sunday, like their son constantly requested it. So I brought it back. And it's just one of those things, you know, that's just like it's very unique. And I think a lot of people do enjoy it. Um, The one that's the most like most proud of is the chocolate like that i just straight up chocolate well the one that i have now absolute chocolate yes yes yes. Uh, so the reason that that one is because it was so difficult to try and please everybody that enjoys chocolate um because everybody's on a different spectrum they're all like oh i like it a little bit more fatty i like mine a little bit more deep i like mine a little bit more milk chocolate and it's like well what can i get to get the best chocolate um and so this one was really intense um for uh research purposes so i'm like what makes chocolate chocolate what makes it stand out the processes of chocolate getting the the cocoa like what what is where am i getting it from like what kind of chocolate am i going to be using like it's so much down to you know what chocolate am i using to how am i going to uh like expand it make it better like make it make more outstanding than it is um and so there's salt that you add the chocolate that makes it a little bit more outstanding there's coffee that you add the chocolate that makes it a little more and it's just little hints of you know salt and coffee that kind of bring a little of the notes of chocolate out um the amount of sweetness is very important because you have anywhere from a range of you know 72 percent um, dark chocolate all the way down to like you got milk chocolate and that sits around um you know like the middle ranges and then milk and then white chocolate which is doesn't have any cocoa at all uh sugar, yeah, yeah sugar <laughs> and sugar butter and cream, or cocoa yeah. butter and so um so it's one of those yeah just you just so many variables in that to be able to make the ultimate kind of chocolate and you know a lot of research also brought me to you know the european style the european style uses a chocolate coverture. Uh, and then so you have uh, the American style, which uses cocoa powder. And so it's like, oh my God, there's just so many so many possibilities. Like, how do you make this work? And, um, and so it just came down to just doing a lot of research and how. And so, and also chocolate has a different property when it goes to freezing. Now, this is comes like, so it gets really complicated, but chocolate actually makes your ice cream freeze harder. So if you directly replace anything with any other ingredient inside, like say if I, I don't know, made some. Some ice cream, like if the vanilla ice cream and I replace some parts of it with chocolate, it'll actually freeze harder even if it's the same amount of sugar, which doesn't make any. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things that, you know, a hard like for through experimentation, like it doesn't make any sense if like this is my math. Why is my math not working? It doesn't make any sense. But I just never took into account the that, you know, uh, the chocolate actually hardens ice cream even further. Um, and so you have to account for that and be able to kind of, you know, still have the same amount of sweetness. So it's a lot of math that took for that. And I want to say I spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars and many, many, many late night hours to try and figure out what, um, you know, makes that chocolate chocolate. So that's why I was super proud of making chocolate absolute, which is half, basically half the coverture and then half the the cocoa powder and the real amount of sweetness. And I think it's a really
0: big chocolate fan kind of thing that I came to. So So what's that feeling like when you find, especially on a flavor like that, that you've been working on for such a long time. And it's, you know, there've been so many frustrating roadblocks along the ways when you finally get it and you're like, this is it. What is that moment like relief? (laughs) It's really just like, I finally
1: did it. Like I can, I I can rest. I don't have to think about this anymore. (laughs) I'm done. I can sit down. I can enjoy my life. It just really, it really consumes me as a person because I get too involved into it. I feel like I am chocolate (laughs) and like, you know, so, um, at that point, you know, when you're like, okay, I'm the perfect chocolate, I don't have to, I don't have to continue to beautify myself anymore. Like I don't have to continue to make myself any better. I'm the best that I can be. And I think that's where that is, you know, obviously you can always go better, you know, do go one way or the other, but I think this is where, you know, that's why I'm like, I gotta, gotta think of a good name for it. Chocolate, absolute. You know, the absolute chocolate. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's, you know, it's I. It was just even thinking about it, I'm like, man, I was so stressed about it. Like this is really killing me, especially with the whole freezing thing. I'm like, it doesn't make sense, and my math is, doesn't like my math was here. I don't know what happened, um, and so yeah, it just took long hours of reading, and the relief that I finally got is just, I don't know how to explain it. It's great. <laughs>
0: I don't think I can ever eat ice cream the same way again. I'm going to have such a <laughs> new appreciation for I had no idea it was like you have to have like a PhD in it's, math. It's to, a lot for
1: me. I mean, I, I don't know if – you know, I, I can't really say for everyone, but I, I, for
0: me it's just really um,
1: – it's it's I get really involved. And right. so, like, I, I develop, like, a personality with the way that I do things. And so that – that it just means a lot to me to um, that people enjoy it, right? I've only had one instance out of the whole time that I've been open that people have not – fully just scrape the bottom of the bowls that they've always gotten and, you know, not come back. So it's like one of those things, like I really do that, that makes me so happy that um, all the work that I put in
0: really people really enjoy. One of the things that I find fascinating about you is you're clearly so passionate about desserts, but you got started in the savory, yeah, uh, the savory element of the field. And, and your parents growing up worked in Chinese restaurants. I know you didn't grow up in the kitchens, but you definitely spent time back there. Like, yeah. where did your love for food come from?
1: Um, I so my love for food is a lot different from I think a lot of people. Like, I think people really enjoy. Oh, you know, I love cooking for my family. And I love cooking for the reason I am very sciencey about it. So, like, when I look to see something getting cooked, like, say I'm, I'm sautéing, like, a chicken or something, I'm like, how hot can I actually turn this oven or this burner? You know, like, how hot without burning anything can I make this happen? And so, it's like, how many different ways can I cook this chicken? This You know, I'll almost get to the same exact point to where, you know, I did it. And like, how many different ingredients can I use? So, it's all about, like, that combination of different uh, aspects of cooking that kind of really help me enjoy cooking. Uh, cooking in general not necessarily because I, you know, I, I mean, yes, there's a part of it that I do enjoy cooking for people, you know, making them smile and all that stuff. But it's, it's about the science for me that it's like, okay, you know, I got that Malia reaction here, you know, like how, how Brown can I get this? out, make it taste burnt, you know, like how much butter can I add to this without burning the butter before I, you know, I turn it. So it's just, yeah, that's, that's really where my um, my love for um, cooking comes from is that kind of organization and science and math. And yeah, so that's just where it comes from.
0: Was the plan always to go to culinary school at Metro? Uh, I actually didn't plan on ever going back to
1: school. Uh, I had a really big fallout, I think, when ITT Tech closed and I couldn't finish my degree. And then I had to, like, kind of restart. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just not going to go to school anymore. Um, so, I mean, I was young. So it was just one of those things where, you know, just like, I hate. I hate life. <laughs> uh, I don't want to do this anymore, Dad. Uh, so I, you know, I just worked in the kitchens. Um but then I had someone that inspired me to, you know, should go and get a culinary degree. Um, even if it's just for fun, like just because he saw a lot of potential in me that I could do a lot more than what I was doing, um, in restaurants. And so, yeah, I ended up going in there and, um, lucky enough, like I went full head on, like I had quit my job. I went straight into culinary school, like with no, no backup plan. I was head on full, you know, just running at the wall kind of thing. Um, and I ended up getting a scholarship, which was super great, true potential um kind of put me through a school and I ended up getting both the both sides of the classes done, even though I can't get both degrees done. I got both sides of the classes done um and so it was you know it it just it was just a great it was a great experience really going to the culinary school and kind of getting that degree so
0: hmm between both being in culinary school and working. in in kitchens before that. I know you you worked in some restaurants, you worked in some hotels. Yeah. And I I found this quote that you gave. You said, it's weird. I'm really into being in constant chaos. Yeah. (laughs) That is a fascinating statement. And I think it's the complete opposite of what most people would probably say. What like break that statement down for me. So
1: the chaos that I'm speaking of that I enjoy in restaurants is that it's really hard to help, like you when you're leading a team, and that's where I like to be at the helm. Usually on saute is where you know you're on saute and you have tickets just coming at you. You got to keep your team calm. You know you got to be the person that's like really um, has got his things together. Because like if your head, the head of the helm, you know, is like panicking, like the whole operation the whole ship's yeah, going down, the whole operation falls down. So you have that kind of like um, obligatory, you know kind of stance that you have to take um, and lead your team and it's that chaos where you have like 20 tickets coming in you have 40 like you know like a reservation of 20 that is unexpected you have people making modifications you know you got your servers coming in you have it's just a lot that comes at you at once especially in like a really like a fast paced restaurant um, that it's It's just enjoyable to me to be able to solve problems quickly, on the go, fast. You know, like if somebody has an issue, like, oh, yeah, don't put that on there. And then you're constantly watching. So you're like visuals, like everything, your senses are at 100%, right? You're watching your team. Make sure they're getting everything right while you're coordinating with the tickets that are at hand. Like you're moving up across three or four tickets and you're looking at this like, OK, well, I can get this done before I can get that out at the same time. So that way I can knock two birds with one stone. I'm, cooking, I'm frying things. So, you know, I throw this in the fryer along with that in the fryer, even though it's a couple of tickets down because we're going to need that. It's going to take a long longer. It's like it's a lot of time and like. Um, way that you just have to coordinate yourself like the coordination of it I just I just love that aspect of stuff because you, you're moving fast you're moving fast and then by the time you're you know you're done you're you know you have had your long day it didn't really feel that long like when you're super busy like an hour feels like 10 minutes and um, it, that's just, like I just enjoyed that a lot about working in the fast-paced restaurants.
0: So obviously you don't have that type of chaos you know working not by yourself but Largely by yourself at Senti. What type of chaos do you have... It's, it's scent-y. Uh, it's most time-based things. Like right now, uh,
1: my chaos is having to have new flavors out every, you know, whenever something runs out. So I actually, <laughs> I'm having a hard time keeping up to be completely honest, uh, cause I have to create new flavors, right? I don't want to just keep reposting the same stuff. So like I, ha- I'm like, even thinking forward right now, like I'm already having gingerbread in my, in my head, you know, for winter gingerbread, I'm having mint chocolate, um, you know, I'm looking at, uh, licorice, maybe, you know, it's just things that are like more wintry, like Christmassy. Um, and so it's one of those things that I have to constantly like write down. I'm like, okay, well, what do I have? What ingredients can I use in house right now to make something? Cause like at this point in pace, I'm making something a base every day, um, so that I can keep up with, you know, people's, um, attention spans <laughs> now, um, with people wanting to crave new and different things. And I'm, I'm constantly asking, you know, um, uh, customers that come in, you know, what flavor would you like to see? You know, what's your favorite flavor? Like what you know, And so, like, I'm getting inspiration from the community as well, right? It's not just about me all the time. Um, and so, it's, like, mixing both of those things in as I'm cooking. And so, like, the chaos also comes into, like, when I'm open, right? So, like, I'm doing flights at the same time that I'm cooking something, at the same time that I'm packaging somebody's order, at the same time that I'm handing it to someone. So, like, I have to switch on from having that customer service kind of aspect to it to being able to cook things. Uh, and to organize myself to make an order, um, you know, make sure that I have enough inventory for tomorrow. Like it's just, uh, it's, it's a lot. So I'm that chaos and that's what it is.
0: There's still plenty of chaos there. Yeah, and there's still plenty of chaos. You can just go ahead, just put me down for four pints of the mint chocolate right now. <laughs> just sign me up. That's my flavor profile. I'm all about that. Hey there listeners. So Christmas is right around the corner. You got to be thinking about gifts and I don't know about you, but I can't really think of anything better to get as a present than just delicious, amazing meat, whether that's to be grilled, whether it's to be cooked, whatever it is. And Certified Piedmontese is the place to get it from. When you shop from Certified Piedmontese, you know you are getting quality products that are locally sourced. Uh, The selection is incredible. You can get all kinds of different meats. This is something where You don't know what to get your dad. You don't know what to get family members. You don't know what to get friends. Get them a gift card to Certified Piedmontese. Or if you're having family over, feed them an amazing meal with Certified Piedmontese products. And best yet, you get 25% off your online order when you use my promo code HOPPEN. That's my last name, H-O-P-P-E-N, at checkout. So make the holidays truly special this year with Certified Piedmontese. And now, back to my guest. So you're at Metro, and you, mm-hmm. co- you come in with a savory background. Right. At what point did you find yourself kind of gravita- gravitating excuse me, toward the sweet courses?
1: Uh, so I decided, you know, I was going to take both sides of um, culinary, which is the savory and the, the sweet side. And so um, right when I started doing the sweet side, I got inspired. Um, I had an instructor by the name of uh, Chef Mar. Janet Marr is her full name, Chef Mar, and she was really um, very strict about how desserts, you know, kind of, which is kind of like my... Um kind of like my background on how I like to do things too. Like it's just very you know, methodical, very like you have to be able to do this and you, you do it correctly. And this is how you do it. You take it to the temperature kind of thing. Okay. Um, and so we worked really well. And so I think she really inspired me to do a lot of stuff. Cause she, I would stay after class and kind of like experiment with her on a lot of different things. And she would take on different projects and I would kind of watch her and see what she would do with things. And so she gave me a lot of inspiration on um, the whole dessert aspect. And that, that kind of drew a lot of my interest um, and she kind of supported me through when I was doing, you know, ice cream. Well, um, oh, she supported me and then sometimes she didn't. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did a lot of like ice cream. I, I did um, what, what do we call it? I did like a, a collaboration with Kaité at one point and where I did uh, alcohol and ice cream. And so she was there for that. And she was telling me like, you know, you, you just got to keep moving. You got to do it. And so she was like, she was giving me that pressure that I needed in order to be able to be successful and uh, delivering the amount of, uh, different flavors that I needed to put out. Cause I was so like, I need to think about this a lot more, you know, like I but it's like the, the, the timeline was, you know, getting really close. It was just getting closer and closer. And she was like, just go. You know what I mean? Like, they're, what's worse they're going to say? It's going to be awful? Like, you just – and you learn from it. and You move on. And that's the kind of um, – the motivation that I needed because or else I'd just be stuck kind of, like, in my whole thinking zone. And I would never be able to move forward. And so that was um, really important. Um, you know, obviously, all the things that she ever taught me with, you know, temperatures and, you know, what kind of ingredients I can use. A lot of gastronomy was actually uh, important there too. So I do have a little bit of experience in being able to make vegan stuff um, because, you know, there, it uses – Uh, a little bit more, I don't want to say unorthodox, but a little bit more, a different approach at, um, making things. And so, uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's really a lot of, a lot of my inspiration and, uh, dedication to the craft really comes
0: from her. When did you start messing around with gelato? Ooh. So actually
1: I didn't make, I didn't mess around with gelato. Like the, the way that I describe it with, you know, low butterfly until I started Senti to be completely honest. Like that was a complete shot in the dark. Um, because I had been making ice cream. I had been making ice cream this whole time. You know, I was making things with heavy cream and, you know, some, a lot of butter fat. Um, and so, uh, and that's just, you know, I just didn't know what I was getting myself into really. And and I, it's turning out really well. Um, I'm learning as I go, but I'm also learning a lot. I, I tend to pick up things really quick when it's, you know, under pressure uh, to making the things correct and, you know, right and make sure that it is gelato. And so that... You know,
0: that's the first time really that I've made gelato was this time. Was the plan always to start a business?
1: Um, Yes, I actually came from streaming on Twitch, which like in a sense was its own business. You know, you have to do your own advertising, your whole audio recordings, like lighting. Like it's just so immersive, the different types of things you have to do. Um, you have to go down to conventions, you have to meet fans, you know, it's just a lot of Yeah. It's just a lot of things that you have to do all at once. And, uh, and so that was kind of like the whole business. And I really enjoyed that being my own person, like being my own boss. I didn't have to listen to anybody, um, you know, tell me that, Oh, I have to be up and at this time at a certain point, or I had to do all these different things. Like it was the things that I decided to choose that were most, that was best for my, um, my growth. And, um, that aspect of it was, always with me. And like, even when I started to go um, back into uh, the restaurants, well, not really back. I just, I was always doing that part-time uh, just doing the restaurants. And I like, was, I really missed it. You know, I really missed doing the whole business thing. And so I had to get a couple of investors and I think I, I'm in a good spot right now, you know, like with, with the whole business. And I really like the way that things are going, you know, it's, it's the projections are there, you know, like things are exceeding my expectations really. Um, and so I'm really happy that I did start, you know, a, a physical business uh, versus, you know, like a personality. So where'd the name come from? Senti? Mm-hmm. So Senti, uh, I'm very into semantics. Uh, I love doing a lot of wordplay. And so Senti really comes from the the literal definition was like hundredth or hundredth. Um, and so it's like I measure to the hundredth of a gram. So everything that I do is, you know, kind of has that precision. You love math. Yeah, man. I do love math. <laughs> I You're do. not kidding. Yeah, my Excel spreadsheets, I don't even want to talk about them. But um, yeah, so the math is, you know, Senti is, you know, a hundredth of a gram, I'm making sure that, you know, all the ingredients are kind of matched up. Um, but more importantly, you know, I put 100% of myself into, you know, all the, like, I would, like we talked about. Um, and also, centi uh, is the prefix for centigrade, which is what I measure all of my ingredients in in terms of, like, temperature-wise. Like, you can see my freezer sits at negative 20 um, centigrade. And my, you know, so, like, it's, it's, it's just those things that, um, little details that I like to incorporate.
0: I think I'm starting to understand even greater why your flavors just have that extra intensity and just your your product is so consistent because you are meticulous and everything is just it's very measured it's very thought out it's not just throwing stuff together but it is experiment document like every like you said everything down to the 100th of a gram the the freezer has to be exactly, you know, at this temperature. Mm. the The amount of detail is just so much deeper than I think just the random diner, myself included, would even <laughs> think of as they as they try your product. It's really incredible. How did you get hooked up with Hardy Coffee?
1: Oh, this one's a, this one's a good story. So we'll start out with um, Chef Mar uh, wanted me to get a feel for what it would be like at a bakery because she didn't think that I would want to be, you know, um, working in a, an, and just in a pastry. I don't think anybody ever really expected me to go that route. Um, but she was like, kind of like, ah, oh, does he really belong in this class? It was kind of one of those things. And so she's like, you need to go work at a bakery. To figure out to see if this is what you want to do, and so I was like, I respected it. And I was like, okay. So I ended up, um, and at the time, a friend, Lindy, uh, who, who owns Nibs Chocolates, Lindy um, Pearson, awesome yeah, human, awesome. Uh, I had uh, classes with her, so we were kind of we were friends, and I mean we're still friends, but we're uh, we were um, friends in college and she had actually just started working at a bakery she's like and this was at Hardy coffee and i was like oh man do they have any spots available i totally would love to you know kind of work with a friend already so it feels a little bit more comfortable and so i ended up uh, interviewing with uh, autumn autumn herself the owner um and she uh she took me to a different coffee place which was really random <laughs> um the interview actually was actually held at um which is the bike union, which is now completely different. I can't remember the name of the new place, but it it was at the bike union and it was with the HR, I believe. That's what um, she had said the role of the other person was. I can't remember her name. I'm going to feel so bad. Please don't listen to this podcast. Um, And so they had an interview with me and I I mean, I passed and I started and it was like cinnamon rolls, you know, I just started doing cinnamon rolls. And so like I had worked for her for a period of time, um, which was like a couple of months really. Because I wanted to, like I said, I was focusing on my studies. So um, as soon as I felt like I um, was really getting a grasp for things and kind of like getting into the groove and understanding what a bakery was, um, I I went back to my studies. And you know, I was still, uh, you know, I, I met Autumn, so we were still kind of like, I want to say friends because we really didn't talk too much. She was in and out, but we she, we we knew each other. And um, I think at one point, and I don't remember how this happened. Um, but I was in the downtown location and, uh, where our Senti is right now. And we had gone to the back and she was just kind of explaining things. Uh, cause I was just kind of curious of like what, she, what what, happens in the back? What happened to the old bakery? Cause that's where the old bakery used to be. And, uh, she was explaining to me that, um, you know, Artemis used to be in this, um, in the space. And and I was just for whatever reason, I was like, so what are you doing with it now? <laughs> and she was like, nothing. I'm like, I'm looking, you know, why are you looking? To-? And I think she said it jokingly. Are you looking to rent it out? And I was like, uh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I maybe like, like what do you got going on back here? Like what's going on? And so at the time she had an oven, you know, like a couple of racks and uh, a freezer. And it dawned on me. And I was like, Why you got a spare freezer? I don't want to hear like's the most important thing that I needed for uh ice cream making. And um this was I wanna say about two years ago. Um and so at the time I was actually gonna move in two years ago into that spot and um I ended up getting called out uh to go work at the Cottonwood and then later after that I did some stuff for um for Primo's restaurant. And so after that uh, I was like right, I gotta go I gotta commit to what I was gonna tell us. it's like I want to move into the spot and so and she had like I didn't know this at the time but she actually had reserved it to me for that time um, and, uh, and so like she was like yeah I kept this space for you because you know we had agreed on it and so I was like well thank you so much and kind of one of those things where like I better not mess this up you know what I mean so um, as soon as I got out of the pre, you I know I, I said my goodbyes there because I said I was gonna start my own business and so I went full head on you know I bought a machine a very expensive machine that I don't like to talk about Because that hurt my pockets a lot. And I was like, okay, I'm eating rice and chicken for the next, (laughs) uh, for the foreseeable future. And, uh, so I went into, into that space and I was just, you know, like me and Autumn, we got, we got closer, you know, obviously because we, 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 needed to talk about all the different logistics and how things were going to work out. And, um, at first, you know, it was like a commissary kitchen kind of, uh, type vibe. And, you know, I, then I started doing, you know, collaborations with them, you know, doing, um, ice cream cookie sandwiches with them. Um, we did an affogato, um, event and root beer float event, uh, just recently. So, uh, yeah, we've gotten pretty close. And you just have the hearty chip flavor too. Yeah. And the hearty chip flavor yeah obviously we got to have the coffee flavor we're kind of dumb, like oh yeah we want some coffee wait you don't know coffee you know coffee gelato what's going on
0: um so yeah that that was that was a lot of fun making too so originally Mm. before you started doing flights before you started like having a forward-facing area in hardy it was just people just ordered online yeah they just went to the website they saw what pints are available you'd say all right come in friday at 10 o'clock or whatever it is, or between 10 and noon and pick up your flights. Like that's just such a unique business model. I remember when I first tried it, I would tell people about it and they're like, okay, like, I'm going to go down there and try it. And I was like, well, you you, you can't quite do that yet. So it was just all very unique. How did you kind of get the business off the ground? How did you get the word out when you don't have that, that forward facing ability to just serve the customer, you know, Immediately,
1: right. So I don't have a display case and all these kind of weird jazz. It's really like a speakeasy. It was the best way that I can explain it because a customer said it to me. And I'm like, you know what? That's the best way that I like to explain that too. Um, the it was kind of difficult because you know you go to an ice cream shop, you expect a whole display case, you expect somebody to serve you at the beginning, give you samples, kind of scoop stuff up um, for you, and you know ring you out at the end of the counter. Um, usually, it might not even be the same person. You know, so it's kind of like one of those things where you need uh, three or four people to kind of operate. Uh, I went in there uh, just kind of like, okay, I have one person, one body. How am I going to be able to fulfill those functions as a normal ice cream shop um, in a space where I don't have you know I I don't have a display case um, I the only advertising really available to me is social media. It's not like I can have like a whole... Uh, a banner of stuff in somebody else's, you know, kind of like uh, the whole, I mean, the aesthetic of hearty coffee, is beautiful. Like I'm not going to just start tainting it. Um, and so I, it, it was one of those things where I have to evolve, right? You have to evolve with the community. Um, at the time, like I was thinking, you know, this is a good strategy for someone that um, is coming in through, you know, the era of COVID, right? I mean, you could say that it's ended now or whatever, but you know, there's people that are still wearing masks, you know, still trying to protect themselves. They're um, not, you know, going into, um public places. So how could I make this both a ice cream shop, but also respecting people's wishes to, you know, be in that safe space. And so the to go is where it kind of really started out. And in the beginning, it was actually, you would order one day, Um, and you wouldn't be able to pick it up until the next day. And so you had like a a deadline. So if you didn't meet the deadline, so if you didn't order before 10 o'clock in the morning of one day, it would not be ready until the next day kind of thing. So it's, it was kind of hard to explain that to people. And so even now uh, explaining it right now, it makes me confused if that's exactly what it, it says that I'm saying. But, um, so then we started slowly moving on. Um, I say we like, I started slowly moving on to trying to do, um, getting more cohesive in a way and manner that it doesn't confuse people <laughs> so then it started being on like okay well if you got it in before 10 a.m that day i can get it done for you that day and then it slowly started being come as soon as you order i can get it done for you you know what i mean the inventory would be there and so i found a way you know to use um, the application that i was using so that i can just have an inventory of stuff and then you would order and i can kind of package it up for you and then you would be good to go um and so then it's evolved from there. Like, okay, well, I got that system kind of, you know, like I got the helm of the system. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. This is good. Uh, and so uh, that was easy to explain. Everybody kind of understood it, um, but people didn't understand the whole display thing. And so now I have to tackle the whole thing of like, how can I get people to try stuff uh, without having to keep going back and forth? to my cabinet, like going all the way. So it's, it's a little bit of a distance, It's kind of complicated to say um, on air, but um, I'd have to walk all the way down to the freezer, kind of get everything pulled out, get a scoop, and then walk all the way back with a spoonful. So it's kind of like, you know, I could walk in, I'm like, I gotta walk very slowly and I don't spill this. Um, so how can I get people to try flavors without having to go through this mess? Because if, you know, I start to get a line, it's gonna get really complicated when, when I have, you know, people kind of waiting and the system is the most slowest thing you've ever seen in your life. Um, so that's where I introduce flights or flights is like, you can try four different things, um, that I have on the menu. And at the time I didn't have that many flavors. I had like a, a seasonal, a seasonal menu, which would be like, I say I had four originals with was your vanilla chocolate coffee and a smoked, um, variation that I did. And then you had four seasonal flavors. I want to say, let's just go back in time for a little bit. Uh, in the summer you had like, um, the London fog, uh, you got the summer citrus, um, there was two more flavors, so let's just say, uh, for example, so then I had eight flavors, and so people could do a flight, and so they could try the four originals. They can do, the, you can get really funky and try the four seasonals, and get you know it makes a match on how you wanted to do it, and so that's where kind of the flight idea came from, and so people can try things without um, without being me being so slow about it, you know, and then people get to try things maybe they would have tried before. So it was kind of one of those aspects where like, oh, this is cool. And it's also, you know, kind of bringing new things into Omaha, um, or, you know, flights is, uh, seeing a lot of popularity here. And so that is one of those aspects that I really enjoyed kind of like coming up with to solve those problems that I was having. Um, and then, you know, kind of evolving there where people would walk in and like trying to see me and like, how do I know where this open land? So I have a little, like, kind of, uh, a chalkboard display. So now people kind of aren't totally confused. People are still confused, like where we're at. <laughs> um, but now I, I know I put that outside in the wall, uh, outside. Um, so you can see it as you're walking uh, down the walkway that I am indeed, in fact, in Hardy coffee in downtown Omaha. Uh, and so, and then that complicated with the hours, um, I used to be open, I want to say between, I can't even remember. God, I had to figure out what kind of hour hours that I was going to have. Was I going to be open all in the morning? Was I going to be open all in the night? And so at the beginning, it was kind of, we got to see what time people come in the most, right? And so the weekends are very popular. Um, and the nighttime seemed to be, seemed to like be really popular uh, versus the morning. Like I usually never got anybody before noon. Um, and so that was kind of like where the logistics of having, you know, that hourly come in. So I'm open between two and eight. Uh, Now two to close If that makes uh, a little bit more sense And so It's it's like It's just kind of figuring out The ends and odds Of what The customers are expecting You know And like I don't want to fluctuate All of my hours To where it's like maybe I'm open on noon on Wednesdays, but I'm not open on until two o'clock on Thursdays. And so like, I have to kind of keep it pretty even all across the board. And it also helps me out too. Cause I, there's a lot of meetings and a lot of places that are open up in the morning that I have to be to, like if I need to pick up some ingredients or stuff, it's mostly available in the morning. A lot of shops are um, uh, places that I need to get stuff for closed at like five. So it really is very convenient for me to have me open between those two hours, those hours. And so like that kind of solved the hour problem. And so um, and then now like I was asking, or I was getting asked to go to places to kind of like present my gelato. So like I did a, an event with LinkedIn and so now I have to have things in like third pan. So like to be able to present them. And so like kind of deliverables and stuff like that. So I had to figure out a way to make all of this kind of thing. So it's like, kind of like just continuously thinking about how do I improve this and how do I make this function and how things are going to work out. And so, um, it's always ever evolving. Uh, you know, I have to meet the needs of the, the public and that's just, that's what I do.
0: So clearly the business has taken off and I mean, it has come so far in such a short amount of time, but like, you know, we kind of talked about at that, you know, that, I don't know if I want to say that dry beginning, but the speakeasy stage where Hmm. people didn't really know what to expect to, to now, you know, you're getting all kinds of people coming in for flights, you're getting asked to come and do events, um, you know, at, at corporate events or whatever it might be at what point did you really start to see things take off where it moved from this little kind of secret society, a couple of yeah. people know about it, but it was like, if you know, you know, type of deal to, Oh shoot. Like this is for real now.
1: Yeah. Uh, I would say, honestly, the flight era, like right when I brought in the flights, I think it took a lot of popularity, especially over the social media. A lot of people were interested, like, oh, my God. And I had I had even a vegan flight and that had a little bit of interest as well. And so, like the way that I kind of advertised that was, you know, this is new. This is I I don't know what I'm doing, guys. Come on in for a free <laughs> flight for a day, but I'm going to schedule. And so, like the the release of the flights was like a preemptive thing where I actually scheduled any of my followers. Um, to come in with a group, you know, anywhere between two and four people or one person, it doesn't matter. You reserve an hour spot um, and I would serve you a flight because I had to figure out the logistics. Like, I can't have it. Like, if I just decided to roll with it out of the blue, I would be stuck trying to figure out what I needed to be, you know, what needed to be done. How many, like, how many paddles did I need? How many scoops did I need? How many spoons did I need? I'm like, you know, napkins, like I, there's just so many different things that I needed to work out. And so like, I got a lot of feedback from them and they were very, very great people, which, you know, a lot of them actually are returning customers and which is awesome. Um, you know, I met a lot of really great people as well. Like, and so it's, it was really an, a, a great thing that I did. And um, so what had happened is that like every hour, you know, I scheduled people and so they would come in, I get to meet with them I'd sit them down and I kind of walk them through the process of, you know, what I do and like kind of everything that they're going to be kind of experiencing. And so then I sat down with them, took some photos of them, you know, there you can see the photos there um, on Instagram of a lot of the people that came through and um, kind of, uh, you know, kind of asked them, like, so what did you like the most about this? Like, what what is something that you think was missing from this? um, at the end of the meal, you know, kind of like those generic questions, but very important questions that need to be asked, um, in, in, order to evolve that situation. And though I got anything from like, Oh, I think you should have smaller spoons because I think that would be a lot more aesthetically pleasing as well as being able to eat it. Um, cause if I use a giant spoon, you know, you're taking a half, you're taking half the scoop with you. And so it's like, um, <clears throat> you know, just little, just little bits and kind of things of what, how different, different people look at things you know like, what should i even price this right because it was it was free for for them but i was like what what you, would you pay for something like this right and so i got anywhere between which is hilarious but i got anywhere between ten dollars to fifty something dollars it was just 50? which wow. was yeah and
0: somebody's that, a high roller yeah yeah someone
1: <laughs> someone was a really high roller um hmm. and she's a great person don't get me wrong um and it was like, those are the outliers. Right. You know, there was those are really like as low as ten dollars to as low to as high as, you know, in the 50s. And um, which was a great compliment. Right. You know, he's like, oh, my God, you would pay 50 dollars. So Thank you so much. Um, and so it was so funny because when I first decided, I was like, oh, you know what? Like, I'll I'll price this at, at eight bucks. And it was just kind of one of those. Things. I don't know why. What came over me? Um, to do it. Cause I hadn't done no, like hadn't done any math on it. Like how much is this is actually going to cost me to continuously do this? And, um, yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, and so I started costing everything out. And so I think we finally, you know, with all the, the prices rising and everything with, you know, like, as soon as I opened, man, like, it, like everything shot up at least a dollar. So like, and, and from that, like it was anywhere between 15 to 20% of the costs that had gone up for me. Um, eggs had shot up, milk shot up. Like, it was just crazy Um, because my pricing was kind of like all over the place because I was like I didn't want to raise my prices right when I opened it just seemed like it just seemed wrong It just felt wrong but at the same time I was like well okay we'll see how long I can survive like this and um, you know kind of and so I kind of met at uh, 15 for flights Um, and that's that's kind of where actually people had told me that they were the most common it was to be at fifteen. I was like I would totally pay, and there's people like sixteen, eighteen, whatever. But I'm like, no, we're gonna keep it. We're gonna keep it pretty solid, um, and I think it's a fair price. You know, like uh, doing all the math and stuff. Like I think it really is an enjoyable, an experience. You know, I come out and I come and speak to you, and I think you know that's priceless. Really,
0: <laughs> I think the flights are genius on a couple levels. One there's just a flight craze right now. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's flights of everything. It's just very attractive. People love the idea of a flight. Mm-hmm. Two, it allows customers to try different flavors that they might not try. Like the taro, like you mentioned. Yeah. Most people are probably not going to come in and buy a pint of taro. But if they come in and have a flight and they experience the taro and they're like, I didn't even, I don't know what taro is, but this, yeah. it, this gelato is delicious. Give mm. me a pint of that. Yeah, I mean, that's just great marketing right there. <laughs> but I think it's... Really useful for you, too, because when you're just selling pints to go, you're not getting a chance to see the customer enjoy it. You're not getting a chance to get the feedback Mm -hmm. like you were talking about right there. What was it like for you to get to see customers enjoy your product in person?
1: Uh, it's, it's great. I love doing, like, I've done a lot of front of the housework. And so like having to meet people, enjoy food is, is one of those great things where you like kind of build a relationship with people, you know, you see them coming back, you handle, like, I know so many people now. Um, I I would be so I'm I'm actually terrible with names like names (laughs) is something that you tell me right face to face five minutes I'll forget it later just because I I'm just really bad with them but having to be able to write their name on the bag you know like kind of meeting them saying calling them by their name like I've been getting into the process of trying to memorize everybody's name and so I mean I can think of everybody that I've kind of met that keeps coming back I have like um, I'm Mandy and I'm gonna say this one wrong like Jara uh, I have I have a whole newscast team uh, Camila I have you know Ryan uh, so it's just all these um, Graham like I just yeah so there's just so many different names that I kind of like can connect with faces now and so it's kind of great and I could also get a little bit of insight to their lives and why they enjoy ice cream like why they come back and what flavors they like to choose and you know just the why reasons you know and so that's that's something that I incorporate in, you know, the following flavors. Like, this is going to be something that people are going to enjoy because of, you know, this is something that reminds them of their, this past or, you know, back, they, back then. And so that's that's the beauty of being able to talk to the customers is being able to um, make things for them, right? Because if I just start shooting in the dark, it's kind of like hit or miss, right? But as, you know, as someone that gets to be able to speak with people and know their backgrounds and know why they come Um, I'm always able to kind of like move in the right direction.
0: Eric, I just love talking with you. This has been (laughs) such a fascinating conversation and I feel like I could keep it going forever. Unfortunately, we're up against the clock a little bit, but I can't let you out of here before asking this question. And it's open-ended. You probably don't know the answer because your business just continues to shift and evolve as you just try and experiment with new things. But as you look towards the future of Senti, like what's next? I actually get asked this a lot. (laughs) And so I, in the middle of
1: like trying to see where I'm going to evolve, um, people have said, are you going to do stuff for the, you know, put your stuff in the grocery store. And that's not really like, as I've been speaking about things of being personal, that's not somewhere that I want to go. Like I got asked to go into the cubbies close by, which doesn't really make a lot of logistical sense because you know, I'm already downtown, but, um, it's just not something that I would want to do not ever, just not immediately. Right. Like I want to still be able to talk to people. I want to still be able to get their ideas, get different flavors going. Like I'm so early in the stages that, I mean, I would say I my notebook. I maybe have about 50 flavors. That's not, it's just not a lot at all. Um, especially since I haven't even gotten through the full round of spring and summer again. Um, I would like to have a brick and mortar store somewhere in the central, like downtown area. Um, something like a small little shop, um, reminiscence of like I would even say something like what Coneflower has, something small, something intimate, you know, something like uh, just like in the middle of the hustle bustle and all that kinds of things. You know, people coming in to tour or, you know, go immediately like to go downtown. Right. so like people coming from, you know, out of state uh, downtown is where, you know, the kind of place people like to go. And so like I would like to have somewhere out there. I like to have a, a location out west, too, or at least try to have something there. Um, and even be mobile, I'd like to have a little bit of a push cart kind of situation where I'll just have fun one day and just kind of bathe in the sun. But I'll say it's for my customers uh, <laughs> and uh, kind of walk around and, you know, kind of serve gelato from there. And, like, even if it's something where I just kind of give it away at an event, like, I think it'll be a lot a lot of fun um, just to have a little cute little cart, you know, kind of rolling around and be a little, you know, it's artisanal. I like it. It's kind of a, a, a good vibe for me.
0: Well, Definitely people, I would follow Senti, uh at Senti Omaha, that's C E N T I Omaha on Instagram. I think that's probably one of the best ways to keep up with everything you got going yeah. on and it's I mean, it is, it is shifting. It is evolving all the time as you just continue to grow, which is really exciting. One last thing that I got to give a shout out before we close out here is Sweet Ash Max. Yeah. Making those, making your, or making macarons for you so you can do the macaron gelato sandwiches. Those things are just spectacular. And I would encourage anyone who's trying out Senti, just throw one of those on your order because you're going to like it. So again, you can visit Senti inside the downtown location of Hardy Coffee off 11th and Jones Street, or you can order pints online or or the sandwiches online at SentiGelato.com. Eric, thank you so much. This was just a pleasure today. <laughs> it's
1: great to be here. Thank you so much. Omaha,
0: as always, thanks for eating with us. A Huda Media Production.